0: Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Regan Rose. Well, it's good to be back with you guys again. I'm recording this on a lovely Saturday morning here in Southern California and just enjoying the nice weather and uh, the break that the weekend affords. And so I am uh, happy, happy, happy. Now, today, in this episode, I wanted to talk to you about a subject that you might not actually associate with personal productivity. And that is the subject of friendship. And I want to talk about biblical friendships, how they differ from mere companions, uh, and really why it's so important that we walk through life with others, uh, and particularly with other believers. And that that is the way that God has designed it for us to get the most done, to bear the most fruit, to be the best stewards that we can with the short time we have on this earth. So we're going to talk about that subject today, and we're going to be pulling out some scriptures and going through that. So I think that's a good topic, and it'll be enjoyable. Uh, Before we get into the meat of the show, though, I would like to remind you, please, if you like this podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it. And if you love this podcast, go ahead and review it. That helps other people find it in uh, their podcast players and helps it kind of show up a little closer to the top so people can discover it. And if you really like it, tell a friend. Tell a friend about this episode and and share it with them. Appreciate you. And also a special thank you to all of the Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much. You help make this possible. If you too are interested in joining the team of Patreon supporters, you can head on over to patreon.com slash redeemingprod. And you can join our exclusive community of Redeeming Productivity peeps. I haven't really named the fan club yet. So, any suggestions for a Redeeming Productivity fan club name, you throw them my way, okay? Anyway, let me get off that rabbit trail and back onto the main trail. And that is the subject of friendship. You gotta roll your r. You know, I think that it's kind of obvious to all of us that we live in an age where true friendships are kind of rare, really. You know, there's, there's a million ways to be connected uh, through our phones, through computers, through different social networks, phone calls, texts, all of that stuff. But the irony is that we are often less connected, at least not at, the, at, a, at a deep level with many people. And that is a shame. And I think that that is a, something that is a unique problem. Uh, to this age, and something we need to be proactive to overcome. You know, if restaurants are open, maybe they're open in your area, but one of the things you'll notice if you uh, go sit down at a restaurant nowadays is that you look around and oftentimes even people who are on dates or who are just with a group of people, they're spending half the time looking at their phones and not at each other. And I think that that's, you know, just a visual uh, indication of what we all kind of know to be true. That we're we're disconnected. And I think that if we're honest, a lot of us would say that many of us don't really have many and sometimes any deep friendships at all. Um, Sure, we may be surrounded by other people, but we might even hang out with the same group of people a lot or the same individuals, and we call them friends. But a lot of times, it's actually just quite surface level. And and that is a shame. Uh, Really, the, the people that we call friends sometimes they're just kind of people that we happen to pass the time with, and I think that there's a distinction, even, even in the scriptures, there's a distinction between what we would call a friend, someone who is really very, very, cl- we're very close to, and a companion. And I think that usually the people in our lives that we call, we'll say, oh, that's a friend of mine, a friend of mine, they're really just this lesser category of merely just a companion. Let me show you what I mean. Um, In Proverbs 18.24, there's a a little um, nugget of wisdom there that you may be familiar with, but it says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, he makes this contrast, right? He says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, you know, companions, right? What is a companion? Well, that's somebody you, you, you hang around with, you spend time with, you, um, you know, that that relationship maybe is uh, is measured more by quantity of time together rather than the quality or the depth of the relationship. You might call them a friend, but really, they're probably just a companion. And if you have these types of, quote unquote, friends, um, they oftentimes are not there for you when things get bad. And I'm sure that many of you uh, have learned this the hard way, is you may have people that you have spent much, much, much time with, but when you encounter a trial of some sort, they're not really there for you because they're not really a friend. Um, And and that's a bad thing. And just to kind of talk about this in the context of of personal productivity or, or trying to be good stewards of our lives before God, you need other people that you are close with who can pick you up when you're down and whom you pick up when they're down. You need the kind of people in your life who, when you say, Hey, this is, this is something I want to go for. I want to increase in sanctification. I want to be better steward of my time. They don't just shrug it off and like, yeah, man, whatever makes you happy, go for it. But they're right there with you and saying, Hey, I can help you with that. Let me. I want to do that too. Let's, let's do that together. I can help keep, we can help keep each other accountable. That's, that's the difference. A companion is just kind of like, well, it's a, maybe we could call it a friendship of convenience. You know, they're people that have maybe fallen into our lives just because you happened to go to the same school, or you happened to grow up uh, together, or you just happened to work at the same place. Um, but a real friend is different than that. And what it says in the second half of the verse, is that at first it said, A man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the friend. Um, this is a true friend. This is someone who will stick with you through everything. Closer, it says, even than a brother, even than your blood relative. This is true friendship. This is someone who will call you out when you're sinning. It's someone who trusts you to do the same. It's someone who's going to stand with you even when everyone else abandons you. This is a deep, true friendship. And what's interesting actually is the, the word, uh, that for friend here that, that, um, that Solomon uses in this proverb is literally, literally lover. Um, not in any kind of, you know, uh, intimate or or sexual connotation to it, but, but it's, it's, it's the root is the word love. Um, and it's the same word actually that God uses, uh, of Abraham when he says that he's a friend of God. It's, it's, it's an intimate friendship. It's a love-based uh, relationship with another person. And that is, that is deep. That is deep. And this is, I think, um, well, not I think, it actually says it. This is the type of friendship that uh, David and Jonathan had. You know, oftentimes people look at the relationship between David and Jonathan, and they say, man, that is what a, a deep, true uh, friendship between, you know, two, two men looks like a rarity in our days, I, you know, not to go off on a rabbit trail, but I do think that it does seem that for men, this is a, this is often a bigger struggle than for women to have really true and and deep friendships. And you look at this biblical friendship between David and Jonathan. And I mean, I don't know about you fellows, but that's, that's what I want. I want somebody uh, that my heart is is knit together with. Um, And I think I do have, I do have people like that, thankfully. And, um, I want more of that and I want to pour more of myself into those relationships and those friendships, um, to, uh, cultivate them and see them go deeper. And I think that's what we should be seeking. Uh, but it says actually, um, first Samuel 18:1, it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Man, that's a serious, that's a serious friendship. Loved him as his own soul. So. Companions versus friends. You want the friends. The man of companions, he'll come to ruin because there's no one there to, to pick him up when he falls. But the man of who has a, a deep friendship, there, there is a friend, it says, that sticks closer than a brother. That's what we want. That is what we want. And it's because, as I've said, we need help. We need help. We, we need somebody there for us when um, times are hard or when we need someone to rely on. Uh, We face trials. Every Christian does. Um, You know, and and God has not designed the Christian life to be something that we do alone. There are reasons that Jesus left us the church, the body of Christ, uh, because we weren't meant to serve him alone, like uh, like these lone wolf Christians. And that... um, is also true of our uh, personal productivity, or, or as I would put it, our Christian stewardship, what we do with our lives to glorify God and to bear fruit for him. That is not a lone endeavor. If you think about it, the, the, the scriptures do make this clear. It says, that, you know, speaking of the body of Christ, we're given spiritual gifts, right, as, as Christians. And, and what are those for? And it says at First Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve One another, and so God has so designed the church so that we would work together in unison, um, one strength of one member making up for the weakness of of the other, and vice versa. And that is the way, and that is God's plan for uh, having Christians bear fruit and and be be good stewards while they're on this earth. It's to do it in a corporate union. And, you know, just as a, as a practical um, note with this, that's why it's so important to be part of a local church so that you are in unity and in union with other believers, practically day-to-day, walking with them and cultivating deep friendships. I think you know, just kind of referencing back to last week's episode, I was talking about staying focused and staying on track when the world is burning, right? When you're distracted, when all these um, bad things seem to going on, seem to be going on. And I think that a big part of you know, as I reflect on myself and how distracted I felt and how uh, unproductive in so many ways, I think a big part of that, honestly, is because I haven't had the uh, the grace of being able to spend. In person, time with the body of Christ to to um, gather together, to assemble and to worship God together, and and be fed by the preaching of the word, and and to and to uh, take Lord's table together, and, and see people baptized. You know all of these things that that strengthen us. That God's given um, as means of grace for us to not have that for such a prolonged period of time. Uh, because where I am, our churches are are still closed. We still can't go back to them. At least not not to. Uh, not to the larger churches. And so it's been very uh, difficult. And I think that that's part of the reason. My support network, of course, I can still, you know, connect with people uh, over the phone, over uh, Zoom and things like that. But that support network of other believers, uh, when that's gone, of course, you're going to be less productive because we weren't designed to do this alone. You weren't designed to do it alone. But now I want to kind of change and talk a little bit about some specifics what what exactly does one of those friendships look like what does what does it actually what are some features of a truly deep christian friendship uh, and i I kind of just pulled out uh three of them for you and uh, just some observations from some different verses about what it means to be a true uh christian friend um because think about it this way I've talked a lot about our need for Christian friends but that is a um a reciprocal relationship, right? You don't go to somebody and demand that they be a good friend to you. Uh, if, if you're going to do, if you're going to cultivate these friendships, it's going to have to start with you. It's going to start with me. We have to be the ones that are going to decide, first of all, that we will be the good friend and build up from there. So three features of um, Christian friendship. And the first one is that Christian friends inspire to obedience, inspire to obedience. Christian friends help each other serve the Lord, right? And this is why this is part of of our our personal productivity. We are made to help each other serve the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I can't tell you how often um, friends have, have done this for me as I am kind of flagging or feeling discouraged or um, just in a dry season spiritually or, or, um, you know, in terms of actually practical service to the Lord. And someone comes alongside me and encourages me and helps build me back up and and spurs me on to continue in love and good works in Christ's power. That's so important. That's so important. And um, I think even even recently I've had some wonderful opportunities to... um, help some other, uh, friends of mine, some deep long-term friendships that I've had and to do this for them, be that source of encouragement and that source of, um, spurring on in the face of trials that they're walking through. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Um, it, it, it needs to not be, our approach needs to not be a selfish concern for our own walk. Uh, this is something I think I, I can be guilty of, uh, especially as I'm, I think probably think a lot, obviously, about my own personal productivity. And I kind of am careful. I try to be careful with how I use my time. Sometimes I can develop a, a um, miserliness towards my time where I don't want to invest in uh, friendships and things because I need to get X, Y, and Z done um, because I haven't you know, planned in enough margin in my life to, uh, to be able to actually be a good friend and to take care of all the responsibilities that I've bitten off, but that that's important. We need to be looking out for the concerns of, of others. Because, you know, that that's how it works. Christians carry each other's burdens. That's part of it. That's part of um, what we're made to be. Um, so we do that in community, and we need to be willing to do it. And we help one another to fan that flame uh, of showing our Christ-like love and serving people around us. You need to, to be that wind that fans that flame for people. And of course, you know, as, as we inspire each other to obedience, we point one another back to the word of God. I think this is a part of Christian friendship that is like absolutely critical. And, and I'll say it like this. A companion wouldn't do this for you. Someone who's just kind of uh, in a friendship of convenience with you, they're not going to tell you the hard truths and they're not going to be the person who says, Hey, you know what? You're thinking wrongly about this. You need to, you need to go back to the Word of God. I, don't think, I think that you're disobeying on this. I want to inspire you to obedience, but you, obedience is found in the Word of God. So, so having Christians in your life um, who are real true friends, that's going to be part of what that looks like. They're going to point you to the Word of God. And so, like I said, if, if you want those true friendships, it starts with you. Be that type of Christian friend who points people back to the Scriptures. So that's the first point Christian friends inspire to obedience. And the second one is that Christian friends encourage one another. They encourage one another. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5:11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You know it is so hard when you're down and there's no one there to pick you up. And that's often, uh, sadly, when I think a lot of people first realize that they don't actually have any real friends, is they encounter something really devastating, and there's nobody there to help them. And worse yet, um, is when our quote-unquote friends are actually just tearing us down. it be gossip, or, or half-joking jabs all the time, or when... You mention you're struggling with some something, they kind of dismiss it. Or um, you say, hey, there's an area that I want to improve and I want to become better in. Um, I want to be more productive with my time. And they just kind of mock you for that. That is not a helpful friendship. And I think we need to be reflective. Look, I'm a jokey, jokey guy. I do. I tell some jokes. And I think that uh, sometimes I have been guilty of... You know for the sake of a, a chuckle not taking seriously something someone has said and kind of giving a flippant answer because i'd rather make a pun than actually be there for somebody and that has to not be our attitude we we have to be the type of friends that encourage one another we need to be different we have to be different it's a different type of friendship and and look i mean this honestly if, if it does start with you it's probably going to be a little bit weird. It might weird people out because, uh, like I said, this, our era is one where, uh, deep friendships are so foreign to us and so strange. Um, but to be different, it, it means just simply being aware enough to recognize when someone needs encourage, you're not being so self self-focused that you, uh, don't even notice that, Hey, that, that brother's slipping. He needs your help. um, you know being like i said being willing to to encourage them in the word of god so actually bringing them truth from the scripture to encourage them uh building people back up and not just kind of during the season where they're struggling but being there to walk with them and help them keep going that's what a friendship looks like it's not just this kind of thing you know a lot of us um you know out of out of a good a good a good uh motivation i think uh we swoop in to help people when crisis strikes you know I think of there's a death in the family or um, there's you know some sort of tragedy and we bring a bunch of meals and we're calling and they're getting all that stuff and then after that season of of struggle is over the calls stop and the meals stop and who's there to walk you with you anymore Uh, And, and that's hard. And I'm not saying we can, I don't think it's possible for us to do that for everybody. And and that's why I, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes you can only be there for people during the, the, uh, the brunt of the hard time. But I think back to when I was a kid, you know, I've mentioned before, I think on here that my, my father died when I was quite young and I, I remember, um, the people from the church, coming and taking care of my family, bringing us meals, uh, take, taking the kids, my my siblings and I, out for lunches and, and things like that, and really, you know, helping us right in the beginning. But the thing, you know, one thing I really remember, I remember the names and the faces of the people that walked with my family through years and years and years after that, you know, all the way up through, like, high school and even after that, because um, we stayed at the same church in the same area, and there are people that really, they committed themselves to my family. And you know, if, especially as I got older, I remember people telling me, hey, I want you to know that I, I pray for your family every week. I mean, that's crazy, right? But that's the kind of friend I want to be. I want to be somebody who, who walks with people, um, not just through the hardest part of the valley, but keeps walking with them all the way through. So th- that's important. And uh so this is all under the point of Christian friends uh, encourage each other. And the last thing I would say on that point is that we need to obviously be praying for each other. Um, and not just praying for each other. My my friend Dave mentioned last night in our, our Bible study, he said that um, it's important to pray for people. But he noted that from, from Paul's epistles, he often told people that he, not just that he was praying for them, but uh, I think it was the first Thessalonians, maybe. He actually told them specifically what he was praying for them for. I thought that was an observation I had noticed before, Um, but actually telling people specifically how you're praying for them, that's so encouraging. That is so encouraging. So let's do that. Let's let us um, be Christian friends who first inspire to obedience and second, encourage each other. And then third, Christian friends rebuke one another. And that is to say, they call each other's sin out. And this is probably the hardest one. Um, I think in some ways, it's it's kind of easy to be encouraging as long as you're being observant and not selfish, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to get, there's, there's usually not um, the chance that a word of encouragement is going to backfire and end up having someone mad at you for trying to encourage them. Usually not. But man, rebuking each other. That's some risky friendship there. Uh, when you go out on a limb to point out sin in a friend's life, that's hard. That's hard. And you have to be filled with love that truly desires the best for that person to be willing to do that. And that's why I think there are so um, so many of us, what we might call friends, are really companions because we don't have that depth of relationship where either of us is kind of willing to tell another person, "You're in sin, I think you need to get right with the Lord on this and and not just say that and walk away, but to walk with them in that and help them through that that process of of repentance and 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 getting straight with God. Um, and this is uh, Proverbs actually has another verse that that speaks to this and it's on um the subject of, of friendship. It says Proverbs 27, it says that. The verse is Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, which reads, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Man, that's, that's a great little quotable phrase, isn't it? You'd rather have open rebuke than love that's never expressed. And then he kind of explains it. He says, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're they're trustworthy um, and and useful for you too. The wounds of a friend, someone who hurts you with their words uh, out of a desire to to help you. You see, that's what he's getting at. He's talking about someone who's willing to tell you the hard thing and it may hurt, but man, those words are faithful. They're true. That's That's a good friend. That's no mere companion that would wound you like that, be willing to wound you in a way that, they knew would ultimately be helpful to you oftentimes though our experience and sadly the way we actually act is the other part of that where it says profuse are the kisses of an enemy and i think what solomon's getting at there is flattery the sin of flattery where um you might say that you're someone's friend but if all you really tell them is like really nice stuff like i i do think uh this is probably a lot more common among uh, ladies. And I I see it, um, you know, I can't read hearts, but sometimes I I wonder, I see it among some Christian women where they're very, very nice to each other and they say very kind things like, oh, your hair looks so pretty, Dave. Where'd you get that outfit? You look so skinny, girl. Um, And guys don't say that kind of stuff to each other typically. Uh, But there, sometimes it appears to be more like flattery than actually like meaningful stuff, and and that's that's not good. What's the difference there? Well, how do you, what makes it flattery? I think what makes it flattery is that people are saying nice stuff to you to kind of get you to either like for a selfish reason, either get you to like them or to maybe have you put your guard down. Um, you know, I joked about that word frenemy I don't know a million episodes ago, but that's kind of the context that that usually comes up in in social life. Is the person who's really nice to you in public? but really actually has it out for you. And that's why Solomon says profuse are the kisses of an enemy who they're like, "Mm, you are just so great. You're the best. And then they stab you in the back. Um, That's obviously not the type of friends that we want to be. Friendship that ends in stabbing was probably never friendship to begin with. You can quote me on that. Um, what what this looks like in practice. Okay, what's it look like to actually be the kind of friend who rebukes another person? This isn't drive-by rebuke. Man, I, I could write a book on this. I think that in the world of the Christian world, there are people who think that they're being faithful and rebuking people, but that's all they do. And it's not out of love. It's more out of, um, I'll say it, judgmentalism. You know, driving around and just telling people, just picking out things like, hey, you you're, you sin back there. Hey, you shouldn't be that way. Uh, I think it's really prevalent actually among what you would call like discernment ministries where they point, they love verses like this. They're like, I'm just telling it like it is. I'm just rebuking because that's what the Lord's called me to do. But also if you're always rebuking people, um, yeah, you can be doing that from bad motives and be hurting them really, instead of helping them. So I'd picture a conversation of real loving rebuke going something like this. Hey man, you lied back there. You need to go make that right. Or, hey, what you said, that's gossip. That's gossip. You're talking about that person behind their back. That doesn't honor God. You shouldn't be talking like that. You need to apologize. You need to seek forgiveness. And it's said in a way that is is, is firm, so it's understood, but behind it is a clear sense of care. Uh, you have nothing to gain from this, or you're not doing it to kind of hurt them or to build yourself up. You're saying it because you, if you really love someone, if they're really your friend, and, and, and you're both Christians, what is it you want for them? I want the best for them. What's the best for that person? They would be more like Jesus Christ. And so when I rebuke someone, when I, when I, point out sin in someone's life, it's not, I cannot be doing, I should not be doing it because I want to hurt them or knock them down a peg. The only thing that should motivate me to do that is such an overwhelming sense of love for that person that I want them to be more and more like Christ. Man, that is so helpful to have that type of friend in your life who will call you out, especially as a Christian who cares about how you steward your life because you want to get those things straightened out. You want to get those those blind spots of sin removed so that you can run unencumbered uh, with all of your strength so that you might bear the most fruit for Christ with this life. And we can't do it alone. We need friends that will have our six and will be telling us when there's an issue and pointing us back to Christ for the solution to that. So those are the three ways to be good Christian friend. Christian friends inspire to obedience. They encourage one another and they rebuke one another. And those three things I think will give us a great start towards being better Christian friends to others and thereby helping them to be more productive for Christ with their lives and vice versa. And I'll just leave you with this uh, little truth bomb from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, who will lift up his fellow? But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And I will see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this, that in whatever you do, do it well and do it all for the glory of God. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do go ahead and subscribe. Tell your friends. And if you want more things like this, be sure to sign up for the Redeeming Productivity newsletter. This twice weekly newsletter gives you access to all of the latest podcast episodes, the latest blog posts I write, and my Friday feature, which is called Reagan's Roundup, in which I share different links from around the web that will help you in your journey to becoming a more effective Christian. You can find the link to that newsletter in the description, and also at redeemingproductivity.com slash newsletter. So sign up today.